1: Hello everybody, it's Lenny Murphy with another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to spend it with us, and as usual, by us, I don't mean my multiple personalities, I mean my guest. And uh, like a broken record, everybody's a special guest, but today, boy, Melanie Courtright, the CEO of the Insight Association, and Mel and I go way back. We do. 2007
2: i think that's right yeah two
1: thousand six, seven. 7. yeah way back so and we've not caught up in a long time so definitely looking forward to this so mel welcome
2: thank you thank you and as always honored and humbled that you want to hear what i have to think and what we know what our board has to think and so thank you for having us very very good time
1: Uh, well let's hope hopefully you think that when we're done. And you, you dived right in. That is absolutely why for our listeners, uh, you know, Melanie is the CEO of the Insight Association. She has uh, been in the industry uh, longer than I have, so well over 20 years at this point. And three
2: decades now, Lenny. Three,
1: three Wow. I can
2: officially say three decades this year.
1: All right. All right. So so we definitely want to find out through this period of transformation what the what your view and the Insight Association view is. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about this three decades for those who may not be familiar so you want to give a quick uh, quick bio
2: yeah, thank you. So, like Lenny said, I'm CEO of the Insights Association. Insights Association is your trade association, if you don't know who we are. We are your professional body, advocacy, standards, certifications, you know, overseeing the U.S. body of work. And before this, I was actually EVP of research and data science at Dynata, which was a merger from Research Now. I joined Research Now. Before that, USAMP, AOL before that, and before that, like a 12 years at a full service research firm. So, and before that, I was at Texas Instruments working on a a top secret program and before that, the U.S. Army. So I actually got into research from my Army language days and using that to do language translation work for a a local firm and spent two years cleaning coding and translating verbatim comments, (laughs) really getting to know the consumer mindset. So, So I've been in research for almost 30 years now, and I have loved every minute of it. I have done every job at this point. And so that's brought me to where I am now.
1: Yeah, that's great. I remember. Uh, remember us uh, hanging out in Richmond. We were pitching to Genworth Financial jointly back in my rockhopper days and your AOL days. So That's right. Yeah, and, uh, and, and we was, were uh, sitting
2: there pontificating about the future and some of the cool things we could do in the virtual world, I remember. And now all those things that we thought were possible are reality in, in today's world. It's uh, it's fun to think back to, you know, those envisioning days of what might happen and uh, and to see them all come to fruition, you know, t- 10, 15 years later.
1: Yeah, well, and some things we didn't see. So, or at least I didn't. So, <laughs> maybe you did, uh, which is a good segue. So, hot topics, right? What are the, the coolest emerging trends that the Inside Association membership are talking about and that you see within the industry? And we'll play off of that. So what, what are the big burning issues that is on everybody's mind right now?
2: Yeah. I, so, I mean, I have to say AI and generative AI, because everybody knows that that is a big, hot, burning topic. It's really important. It's changing how we work. Um, and no matter who you talk to across the board, everybody's talking about it, either from learning about it or implementing it or thinking about it or using it. So everybody's talking about that. But then based on who you talk to, if you talk to the agencies, they talk about you know AI and generative AI and methodology and how it's helping them tell better stories. So storytelling. If you talk to the brands, They talk about, you know, all the different AI tools that they can use to give them better and earlier signals of disruptive change. So they're talking about signals and disruptive change and 12-month and 18-month windows. And then if you talk with data collection, they're talking about AI and uh, replacing some of their need for people scale with, with AI scale and being able to scale data without having to scale the people that are providing the data by doing things like mirroring and twinning of of data to scale data without having to scale the number of participants they need in every study so so that's you know it's the underlying big trend is you know and and while you say you might be getting tired of hearing about it what people are doing with it is wildly interesting so i hope you'll you'll you won't stop listening but it's definitely ai and how it's changing how they tell stories how they scale data how they build strategy and how they get signals so and then there, Because of AI, too, though, the consumers are changing, right? And what consumers are doing and how they're consuming things is changing. Some of our brands on our board and in our members are talking about the uptick in the number of people who are willing to shop online on social media because social media is being driven by AI to drive products in ways that make them feel more personal, make them feel uh, more engaging. And and there's been a big uptick in, in online purchasing of products and services through social media, and then continued growth for small businesses. Small businesses are finding ways to make it into, into this world. And that's kind of a holdover from the pandemic. But it's all driven by this radical way that you, the use of data is changing and how it's pushing things into the consumer world and then how we're using that to actually drive new kinds of and new speed of decision making.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And we talk about a lot on this, this show and everywhere else. I will reiterate right? The every conversation where my kind of my gen two and my green book at with brands and suppliers, this is an absolute huge topic. And it's more than just where things in the past, we talked about mobile for years, right? The transformative effects of mobile, but we didn't see pragmatic implementation, right? It took years for adoption. Same thing online, right? This is different. This is being adopted right
2: now. We just had a town hall, and we had a bunch of people on the town hall, and they all said that for the first time, they feel like we're only a few months behind the curve like with mobile and with online research was years behind the curve. Uh, And it took a while to catch up, but for a lot of good reasons, for curiosity, because um, innately they're using it more in their own personal lives. And then because of just the need for this kind of data that just never existed before. Right now, they feel like at least with generative AI, and even with broader AI and machine learning, we're only a few months behind. We might even be a little ahead of understanding things like representativeness and fit for decision-making, right? and being able to replicate. So we might even be using it in ways that put us a little ahead of understanding the methodology completely. Uh, but that's that's exciting, that's interesting. Uh, and they, there's this sentiment that we don't wanna fall behind like we did with other major changes. We wanna keep pressing and manage all the risks, but we don't wanna fall behind like we have with other big changes.
1: Well, let's talk about the risks for a minute. So I think that's one of the areas that you, uh, the Insight Association has always shown leadership, particularly your, your lobbying efforts around Data privacy and data use, and sometimes the exclusions for for research versus some of the other other issues. Sample quality, obviously another big one. And I have a concern, and maybe it's not valid, but let me, let me tell, I don't think I've expressed this publicly yet. So let me share it with you and see what you think. It's garbage in, garbage out, right? And I am increasingly concerned about the the tail wagging the dog as far as. Is we're driving more personalization for consumers on social media, we're shaping their perception to such an extent that they may not have an unbiased view. For instance, of a given topic or product, because the AI has done such a or is doing such a good job of of giving them only the things they think they want or need based upon the profile information, that that could be a challenge, and that's with you know, surveys, but same thing as we're talking about synthetic sample, right? As you're talking about that mirroring, you know, there's already companies that are doing that. I'm aware of companies that are actually foregoing early stage exploratory or landscape research right now, just using generative AI and synthetic sample to give them a view. And then they start looking at validation, right? And I think all that's exciting and interesting and cool. And there's also a part of me that's like, but but do we know it's real? What if it's not real? What if we're we're... You know, we've, <laughs> we've lost the separation between research and marketing, which is in many ways we've had to, this has been happening for a very long time, but in other ways, maybe it's my age in the industry, this is part of me going, but wait, 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 are, are we losing something here? So, hot take.
2: I think that's completely right. So such Association, if you go to our website and, and you look around, you can find that we posted an article about the six major risk factors for AI. Like we're we're big proponents, to be clear, about the, the profession playing, evolving, innovating. That's very exciting, but we, as is our job, we posted six major areas where people need to just, companies need to understand the risks associated so that they can mitigate them, right? And one of them was this. It was the quality of the data. So there's a big argument right now being held around what's the right place to use generative AI uh, and generated insights. Is it in discovery because then you push it to quant? Is it in quant because you can scale? You know, should you use it? Should you use research wrappers? you know, to seed good data in and then to validate on the back end to make sure you got good data out. Because right now the truth is you can put something, a question, you can ask questions of generative AI and you can get a different answer every time. So is that because we haven't learned how to ask questions right in the generative AI world? Or is it because the data itself is so constantly changing or is too old that you're getting a different answer or, or then they refresh the data? But sometimes we don't even know what the data is. So come Companies are starting to build their own generative AI data sandbox and feed the data with it. That's probably where we're going to land if I were to write a prediction, because that also solves some of the other risks which you asked about, which is who owns the data, what data goes in. If a company, a major agency builds their own data, they can control who has access to it, right? They can also get permission maybe from clients to put their data into a very private sandbox as opposed to putting it into the open AI sandbox and then it's out there and who owns it. If you're using public sandboxes, who owns the the ideas that come out of it? Is it you? Is it them? Is it the client? So we're probably going to land where there are a lot of sort of private sandboxes that are using data that is curated and that you can now say, I feel good about this because I know the data. I know what it represents and what it doesn't represent. And I can give you a fit conversation and a fit rationale. But we're still a little ways from that, right? From having all these instances of, of a closed sandbox, uh, closed data sets that drive AIs. But but we're, we're getting there. I mean, I don't know if you saw the news, but Ipsos rolled out Ipsos facto, right? Maybe they could be one of your guests, but they rolled out Ipsos facto. They're testing it among their employees. I saw it on the press. And it is their own version for their employees to use built on their own data. So that would uh, be where I think we're headed because of that because of uh, the six levels of risk, right? Including that one around garbage in, garbage out. What does the data actually represent? And how can we replicate? Because the core of our profession is the ability to replicate the decisions. And if we can't replicate them, then how can we be confident in investing billions based on the outcomes that we that we drove?
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. If the audience could could have seen me, my, my neck hurts now from nodding so <laughs> uh, so violently during all of that. And it's back to the old days of proprietary panels. Right. And it's just a different use case of the panels for all intents and purposes.
2: Well, and then even with panels, people are saying panels are going to go away. And, you know, I've, I've been in this profession a really long time. I don't believe that they're going to go away. I do believe that they'll be able to drive scale. I think you're going to need this base of data that is constantly current so that you're feeding in constantly current. Otherwise, the data sets are going to age too quickly because society is changing very fast. And so you're going to need this constant feed of data, but then those thing, those tools are going to allow you to scale that data. You know, you won't need ginormous panels every time you want to study, but you're going to need really good panels that feed really quality current data to drive these AI tools.
1: Yeah, we got to stop because my neck is really hurting now. Again, <laughs> the can agree more. And I, I do think that that does have pragmatic applications for, uh, or implications, sorry, for panel companies because the, uh, and similar, <laughs> the old issues around mobile, a service will become far shorter and will be far more tactical because it'll be about filling the gaps of information and that always on data machine, ensuring that that's there. And for for our audience, if you're not paying attention, everything Mel just said, uh, we are seeing it play out writ large already within uh, social media platforms, for instance. So Reddit, they built a moat around their platform. Told, told Microsoft and, and Google, uh, uh-uh, uh, nope, you, you don't get to use our data for free anymore. Uh, Twitter, there was a big thing what two weeks ago where Twitter shut things down because of, the, of that. And of course, Musk is now launching his own AI company. It's a whole other topic, but and it goes back to those fundamental issues for the Insight association on you know consumer data privacy, consumer protection, you know. It does have implications, as we've talked about for years, on who owns that data. Is it the consumer? Is it the platform? Is it the buyer? Is it the data collection? You know, a lot of things that they're they're front and center, even more so now than maybe the era of social media analytics. You know, that kind of brought these things to the fore. I think they're even more important now. And so besides the data moding of either brands or anybody else who has data and the applications for that, it's it's gonna force more issues around. The, I think around the consumer ownership of that information as well. So on, what are you hearing from Europe on that particular issue?
2: You know, we are actually, SMR and Insights Association are pretty close partners these days, which, um, which is exciting. And I'm on their professional standards committee and I'm on their AI task force. And so I'm pretty close to this. There are some, you know, big legislative pieces coming out around AI and the use of AI and rights. The concept of consumer consent is still front and center. Like you still must have consent to use data. So that's the other reason why I think that, you know, there's still going to be a huge place for panels, building consent. Building data, compensating people for their use of their data, and then using that data—that current, fresh, really high-quality constructed data—to scale. And so, um, there there are some big legislative pieces coming out. The big problem right now with this legislation is, what is AI? What's the definition of AI? As a profession, we're sort of using AI like this—you know, sexy marketing term—and we're calling everything AI. And that sounds fun and interesting, but when AI legislation comes and it is coming and it's coming soon, if you've called everything you're doing AI, then everything you're doing is going to be subject to being legislated and being governed. And so we've been working to try to give an actual working definition to what really is AI and to help them legislate what they want to legislate without scooping up everything insights, you know, algorithms. We've had them for decades is an algorithm AI? Some people would say yes, some people would say no. And and I suppose it depends on whether or not there's human intervention, human oversight. And that's what we're trying to sort of define. So there's legislation coming, but the struggle that we're having as a profession right now is how to make sure that that legislation doesn't hurt us and cripple us by over-legislating everything from multi-regression analysis to our simple automation, even if not defined properly, could be swept up in an overreaching definition of of AI. so I've been cautioning everybody to say, I know it's interesting and I know it's sexy and I know you want to call it AI, but let's be really honest about the use of AI so that we don't end up over-legislated.
1: And again, thank God for the, the powers that be, whatever the universe. Substitute your term of you know whatever uh, beneficial forces exist in the universe for the inside Association uh, for focusing on those things. Um, it's always been One of the things that I am thrilled, you you and SMR and the other trade orgs uh, for tackling those issues to help protect us all.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. And there's, you know, the the only the only other piece that's interesting for, you know, U.S. listeners is that the only real point of difference between the U.S. version of legislation and the U.S. version of legislation is this concept of research and uh, being for good. So AI should be used for good. And the problem is, how do you define good? Like who gets to decide if doing research on a 64-ounce Coke at McDonald's is good for society or bad for society. <laughs> so wh- where we're landing is probably, you know, somewhere more closer to not doing harm. Let's let's not harm people in tangible ways through the use of AI. Let's not prevent them from getting opportunities. Let's not hurt them through, you know. So So that's, you know, the only real difference. And if there's people out there that have a point of view on, you know, a a better way to legislate around not harming people without crippling us in a way that says that all research must be held up to some undefinable standard of good for society. That's the only other thing we're sort of wrangling right now.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a big topic. It's a whole other thing. I, I The older I get, the more I think about those those things. I didn't used to think so much about them. I live my life so that we look back and there's a legacy of good, making the world a better place. And I certainly would... 90% of all of my work, I would say sure. But there's a few things I look back and like,
2: I don't know if that really helped anybody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, yeah, we got to go to bed at night and look ourselves in the mirror too, right? So.
2: The U.S. tends to be a little more consumer and market friendly, right? They let the market decide what's good for them and what's not. And then, you know, other, other regions can tend to be a little more, um, you know, legislation driven and let the powers that be decide what is good for society and what's not. And so that's, that's the only other, you know, sort of big rub we're, we're struggling against right now is where are we going to land in that so that we still end up with something that is globally practical, that everybody can implement globally, uh, and not and not too hard to you know to not fighting against each other
1: yeah yeah no good stuff all right so let's play off of that uh, a little bit more because one of the other key things that that uh inside association has always done is you know training education you know professional certification so with these changes that are happening I, i think you and i would agree that There's still need for methodologists. There's still need for understanding, you know, sample, uh, certainly statistics, et cetera, et cetera. But the tools that we use in all of those areas of research are going to change the skill sets needed. So, you know, is there going to be as much need for people to, for coders, you know, (laughs) go back to that, or for tabbers, uh, or even for, you know, scripting surveys? Probably not. Probably not, right? Those those tools are now largely Yeah. So what what does that look like for training?
2: Yeah, those skills are portable. And so my advice is to begin thinking about how you would use those like survey design and coding skills to learn how to ask better questions of an open AI. Like if you're not using it right now, our biggest advice is to start using it personally, right? Go online and at least, and tell it what you have in your refrigerator and ask it to give you a recipe, right? If, uh, you know, I've got these seven ingredients, what can I make? Or, Or have it Solve uh, a, a problem that you're facing in your personal budget, right? Tell it to write you a budget Excel formula that you've been struggling to write, or you know, if there's some some sort of um, you know health condition that you're researching for your your in laws, have it tell you everything it knows about you know a health condition. Just play with it, right? And then learn how to ask questions and ask it in different ways and see what kind of different answers you get you know put the same seven ingredients in three times and and maybe change one word at the front or at the back and see how the output changes but play with it like so and then think about all your skills and what you're doing every day and how you could take those skills and port them over into a world where you know you're asking all sorts of questions of that before you're asking your supervisor or the person who sits next to you. Or, you know, before you're asking a question of the client, you know, what's your market share? Ask, ask that instead, right? And so just really be playing with it. Tomorrow's, you know, researcher, we used to say you need to look like a letter T, right? Uh, you need to be a, a mile wide across everything, but an inch deep. And then you need to go a mile deep and an inch wide on something you deeply care about. That worked before. It's not going to work in the future. So you're going to have to look more like, and I honestly, Lenny, I can't think of a better sort of visual for it, but you're going to have to look more like a picket fence, You're gonna have to go deep on lots of things. You're still gonna have to have that sort of bar across the top where you know a little bit about everything so that you're well-rounded, but then you're gonna have to go deep on a lot of things, a lot of different data streams. You're gonna have to know a lot about social media data, a lot about synthetic data, a lot about um, the data that is housed internally. And you're gonna have to begin to know how to tether those data sets together. And then you're gonna need to know a lot about how to ask questions of technology, not just people, and how to interact with technology uh, models Goals. And so, the skill sets of the future are really to be multilingual in data, and then to know how to connect that data to each other, and to understand its fit for decision making.
1: Yep. And again, we're seeing it right now. So through you know our our sister company Savio, the talent marketplace, a huge driver of volume through that right now request client requests is research subject matter experts who are prompt
2: engineers. Mm-hmm. So prompt engineers. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and doing that to do early stage work just using generative AI, right? I mean, that's the that's the request of, you know, okay, we have this concept. Let's let's mirror that out based on existing data um, and see where that gets us, and then make decisions on where do we go from here.
2: And then just I would be doing a disservice to several of the brands on our board if I didn't also say, you know, be. That sort of basic skill set is important, but you can't stop there. You need to be able to step up and build power skills on top of that. Storytelling, listening, selling, negotiation. So then you have to be able to take all of that interesting data and prompt building. And if you really want to scale your career, you're going to have to be able to build power skills on top of that around helping a room understand uh, what they need to do next, really making the data human, digging under why, persuading a CEO to open his checkbook and write a million dollars for this next idea. The real reason insights as a profession has grown every year for the last three years substantially like we're growing big a big reason for that though is that we've gained a seat at the table and we're 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 convincing people how to spend their money in the boardrooms and so we're once you really get to understand data um, that that's not enough anymore you have to have the power skills on top of that to take the data and convince people how to use it and how to invest with their resources with it and how to move money around stop doing this and start doing that and it's it's not an easy thing to do so you have to build it. It comes from a place of confidence, confidence in your skills, confidence in the data, and confidence in understanding their business. And so building those kind of power skills on top of it will be critical.
1: Yeah. Sage advice and wisdom. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. We're, we're just wrapped up the latest wave of data collection for GRIT this weekend. And thank you. I know you guys helped with that as well. And I'm most interested in, we added a whole new series of questions on this topic, right, around AI personal life and professional life and you know how are you using it what do you think and i can't wait to dive in and uh look at that actually uh, i was talking to uh to nelson our uh, who leads a great effort uh uh an analyst on friday it's like you know this this could be so deep that we just it's too big for grit right we may have to just do a whole whole other blog post whatever because i think it's so interesting and knowing that whatever we get now if we ask the same question again next year and compare, because I expect it's going to be somewhat different. So, interesting stuff. All right. So, don't want to make this all about AI and conscious of, of your time and the time of our listeners. What else? What else is a big deal for inside association right now? What does the industry need to know? What are you championing personally?
2: There is a big effort going on around data integrity, right? So, data quality, data integrity, whatever you want to call it. There have been, you know, some some pretty big, splashy, Findings around what's happening with data quality in our profession. And so, you know, some of the language that we've used it leaves buyers confused. And it's very important that we address problems in our profession, especially problems of, of data quality, but it's also important that we do that in ways that don't erode trust, right? So Insights Association launched a, um, a joint partnership with seven global associations. First time I believe this has ever happened, SMR, MRS, Crick, the Research Society, the Research Society of Austria, Insights Association, SampleCon, all partnering together to address data quality and to address it quickly by each of us focusing on a work stream. So Insights Association is focusing on the language. And I just talking about that for a second, it's really important when we talk about data quality, if we say words like throwing out 40% of all data due to fraud. So- Sometimes it is a fraud issue in a particular study, but usually it's a layered effect that gets us to 40%, but we don't talk about it that way. We don't say 7% was fraud and 12% was dupes and 18% was because we, we cleaned out or inattentiveness or whatever. So we're really, it's really important that we actually talk specifically about the data in ways that allow us to not erode confidence, but also to fix the right problems. And so we're all working on that. And MRS is focusing on bot technology, SMR is focusing on the participant experience, shortening those surveys, tightening up how we ask them, maybe tech talking about finally once and for all getting rid of some of the stupid scales that we use and and, and, and even, you know, the grids and craziness. And so I'm really excited about that because that understanding of how to really improve data quality is also going to help us on the next phase of our profession. And so we're all together. You can go to globaldataquality.org. We're all there, we all own it together. There's no single owner of this initiative in any region. And we're all working collaboratively to make a real difference in the tools that people have around how to drive quality data. I'm very excited about it. And I really think it's one of the first things that all of these global associations have decided to come together and do as a joint initiative and actually work together so that we can make fast progress. Very exciting.
1: Yeah, that is exciting. I'm thrilled. It's a, you know, it's a topic near and dear to my heart as well. So uh, again, thank you for the leadership. It is desperately needed. So yeah. Uh, and it will Yeah, we're going to talk about
2: everything, everything from the so the sample design, the sample frame, the incentives. Australia is working on the incentives and the use of incentives, the proper use to the survey itself, to cleaning, to ana- analytics, to all of it, where there's going to be tools all along the project path to help drive quality and help brands understand quality in ways they've never been able to before.
1: That's awesome. All right. What else? I know you guys have done, uh, you've continue to support dei initiatives anything along those lines that uh, to talk about
2: yeah we have just kicked off our second year of ideator if you don't know what that is, you know, we so it's benchmarking season. Let me start with that and say it's benchmarking season for us, and we're about to roll out the um, U.S. market report, which will tell you how much the market grew. I, it's the first version. The, the highlights are coming out this week. In fact, of how much the profession grew, and then how much each of the eight segments grew. So we measure the profession overall, and we measure each of the eight segments. You can see, you know, which ones are growing faster and which ones are, are growing slower. Uh, so that's coming out this week, and then in two, in three weeks, the, the like the deep dive, the full big. Mammoth report is coming out, so that's exciting. Followed by our compensation report to see how compensation has shifted, and you know it has in this crazy inflationary world. And then our DEI census report on the profession to show if we've made progress in the gaps that we have in our profession. If we're supposed to represent the population our research population should also represent the population. And we have big gaps in non-white and uh, in in non-male in leadership. So just, just facts, not politics, right? And so based on those findings, though, we implemented the ideator program. We um, we found an 10 underrepresented people and we brought them into the profession. We gave them a year of an apprenticeship. We just closed that year and placed them in their profession. And now we've launched our second year, another... Great group of people that uh, from from very different backgrounds than what might traditionally find their way into the profession, and we'll put them through an apprenticeship for a year and seed them into the profession. And we're going to keep doing that while also, you know, reporting on the census representation. And then we have just wrapped up international race ethnicity work and U.S. gender sexual orientation work to help the profession figure out how to evolve the way we ask those two critical questions and ask them in ways that are more inclusive and don't shut people down right at the gate of our surveys. And those results are coming out very quickly as well. So tons of content in this area, a lot of work.
1: Very cool. Now, how can everybody, particularly myself, access all of these great reports coming out?
2: insightsassociation.org, it's all there under the resources. We have a new website. We have, they launched about six months ago. You know, we actually, you know me, Lenny, when I joined the Insights Association, one of the first things I started was a technology upgrade journey. And so we've been upgrading everything. We have a new association management system. We have a new marketing. We use HubSpot. I mean, so we've just been really, we have a new website and we have a new directory, by the way, Pair. P-A-I-R, since for Professional Analytics and Insights Resource, Pairing Buyers and Sellers. So you can find that there as well. But everything's at InsightsAssociation.org. If you don't have access to something, it might be because you're not a member. And then just talk to me. I'll talk, tell you how to become a member. But there's a lot of content that's available, member or not. So especially in this DE&I space where we're just trying to help the profession, you know, do better work. And so we try to make some of those types of things available to anyone, member or not.
1: Okay, very cool. All right, so as we're kind of wrapping up uh, from a, a time standpoint, what else do you want to make sure that the industry as a whole knows that you think is just everything we've talked about already and we've talked about a lot of important things? Anything else that you, you just want everybody to listen to?
2: I would say that it, the, the privacy framework in the privacy world is actually getting pretty risky. And if you're not following privacy legislation in the U.S., and in every state of the U.S. and globally, if you don't have a focus of that, you need to be paying more attention and you need to reach out to me and let me help you get engaged in that. But then also, if your company doesn't have a policy already in hand for your employees around the proper use of your customers' data in open AI platforms. If you don't have a pro, uh, an AI and open a generative AI use policy for your company, your employees are using it. You just don't know it. And you so you're introducing risk. So there are two big risks to companies. And I am all about making sure that I don't want anyone in the research, no research company to be the next big lawsuit that splashes across the front page. That always ends up hurting us. And so if your company's not following everything going on in privacy and you don't have an AI use policy, I would encourage you to just to not let that sit idle, to so spend some time really understanding your responsibilities, what your employees are doing, what your clients are expecting, and even let us help you draft it if you need help with that, because there's risk mounting around someone getting hacked and broken. A chat GPT got hacked not too long ago and hundreds of thousands of accounts got hacked broken into and data stolen. So if you're using it and your employees are using it and, and you've got customer data in it, there's big risk developing. So get involved with us, let us help you. Let's make sure that it's not a research firm that is the next big data leak splash on a front page.
1: More sage advice and, and wisdom. So that's a, that's a great one, Mel, thank you. All right, so more of an optimistic note versus foreboding note
2: uh <laughs> Sorry, it's my job
1: <laughs> I know I get it, I get it, so that's what the, that's what uh, I does, so we appreciate it. uh what are you looking forward to personally, professionally, does it matter, right? So what are you thinking of all right, this is really cool and exciting, and I'm looking forward to this?
2: You know, you asked me this one question once and and what, like, if you're online, what are you doing? And believe, personally, believe it or not, I am just loving all the new word games that are coming out. I know this is silly, but I certainly play Wordle, but they have a new game called Connections. I don't know if you, it's in beta and it's in the app right now. It gives you 16 words and you have to put those 16 words into groups of four that have themes so that's very fun. I, I I love that game. And then there's a new one called Phrase by Forbes. F R A S E. Phrase by Forbes, and it gives you two or three words, and you have to unscramble the letters in those words to create a common phrase. And then you know there's the New York Times Daily Mini, and I am just loving all of the new word games that that the Wordle craze started. So you know we have a a, a family group chat called Word Heard. It's my my sons and and my uh, daughters and daughter in laws and son in laws and. And then, you know, and my husband and me and we all we, we challenge each other and and see how we're doing. So if you're not, you know, if you're looking for something fun to do with your family, create a little um, text group called your word, whatever, and play those words together and see who can get them the fastest. And it's it's just it's super fun. And it's it's something you could do together that is low risk and and high reward. So I know this fun stuff. I love word games and it's it's good for our brains. So I'm really enjoying that. Professionally, I'm really looking forward to the conference season. We're going to have our own leadership event in August, which I'm very excited about. Taking the tomorrow's leaders and teaching them hard skills and soft skills, PL, marketing, margin, empathy, mental wellness. You know, uh, building a a community of leaders supporting each other. CRC in the fall, our big conference. It's in Chicago. We're going to do a, a barrel tour, and we're going to go to a jazz club. But also, we're going to have one of the world's most influential CMOs, I'm really looking forward to the conference season. So I would say, you know, words on my professional side, <laughs> my personal side, and the conference season on my professional side.
1: Very cool. You know, my wife got me into Word of Friends years yeah. ago, and she just, she beat me so often I got frustrated and stopped. As my son would say, I, I rage quit. <laughs> my um, husband so. rage quits
2: about <laughs> once a week, and then he comes back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I'm just way too competitive, and she is way too good. So, uh, <laughs> well, very cool. And yeah, the I've, I've watched the events that you guys have coming up. Uh, I think the leadership one is really interesting. Is that uh, is Meryl and Steve? Yes, uh, leading no, that. Well,
2: it's um, it's Meryl, Steve, uh, Seema and Isaac. And then um, Tara from Burke and Vashti. It's a really cool group of people because it's not just CEOs for the leadership event, it's CEOs and emerging aspiring leaders and from across the functions. So it's a very cool group of people. And the speakers, there's a lot of them from outside that are going to talk about, you know, and there's even a banker that's going to come and think talk about how to think about valuation and and PL and margin and company, core company metrics. So it's very cool. And I forgot to mention, from the idea, you mentioned the diversity perspective, our idea forum is in September and its focus is inclusion in AI and how to the, what the challenges we face in making sure that inclusion is a concept in AI and that the AI output is as inclusive as possible and not biased to where they can find the data. So also a very cool topic.
1: That is very cool. So hey, you're not busy. <laughs> you don't have much going on. Not at on. all. So, (laughs) well thank you thank you for making the time it a bit too long since we had chatted uh again as our audience knows we're friends and unfortunately we get caught up doing other stuff so it was great to catch up professionally good to catch up personally as well where can our listeners find you
2: you, uh, you know, I'm I'm one of those crazy people that gives out my phone number, so you can always text me or or call me, 972-533-2696, but it's easier probably to just send me an email, melanie at insightsassociation.org. You know, if you send me a message on LinkedIn, I'll find that there too, and uh, I might be a little slower to respond on LinkedIn. Best, fastest way to reach me is um, melanie at insightsassociation.org or to send me a text or a call.
1: All right. All right. Well, there we go. So now, expect your phone or email to blow up um, <laughs> as uh, after this. So you ask. Come for see it.
2: me at the leadership event. Come see me at CRC. We'll have a drink.
1: So, and if you've never had a drink with Mel, it is a hell of a lot it of is fun. fun. <laughs> so, remember, we had uh, you and I and Kristen, much other folks hanging out. Not that I was, I wasn't drinking because I don't drink, but on the beach in Miami, uh, SMR, that was, uh, that was a fun yeah, night. Yeah, I think
2: so, I got in the water. Um, anyway, <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think you did. I think you did. So, yeah, Yeah, it was a fun night. No, thank you, Mel. Appreciate it. Uh, Big shout out to our producer, Natalie. Thank you, our editor, James. And of course, to our listeners, because without you, we, Mel and I wouldn't have had this excuse to catch up and you wouldn't have gotten all this really great wisdom from her. So, thank you so much. And that's it. We'll talk to you soon on another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Bye-bye.
0: Green Book for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices tech innovation, and strategies for transporting insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org slash events today to learn more and register. See you there.